In this episode of Throwback FDNY, the department holds its first Medal Day ceremony in 1870. The General Slocum Fire claims the lives of 1,021 people in 1904. And Assistant Chief Augustus Beekman becomes the 22nd Fire Commissioner in 1978. Everyone affiliated with the FDNY knows that June is the month for Medal Day. So when did the Medal Day tradition begin? First, some background history. The first medal created was the Stevenson Medal. It was endowed by John Stevenson and Company in 1867 to be awarded to the most efficient company in the department as represented by their captain. This began a tradition of private citizens endowing recognition to be presented with a medal and often a cash gift. The medals were not established by the department. More on that later. But the Stevenson Medal languished and was not awarded until 1884, and it was discontinued in 1955. The first medal ceremony was held on December 27, 1870. The inaugural presentation of medals was far from the ceremony it is today. The recipients were called to headquarters, then on Mercer Street, and were presented their awards by Commissioner Alexander Shaler in conjunction with the opening of the Department Lyceum, or Library. Newspaper publisher James Gordon Bennett endowed the medal presented that day to be awarded to the firefighter exhibiting an act of extraordinary bravery. He did this in appreciation for the efforts of the department at a fire in his residence. Two awards were made, one for an act of bravery occurring in 1868 and another for an act in 1869. The recipients of those two were Lieutenant Minthorne Tompkins and Captain Benjamin Gickwill, respectively. Lieutenant Tompkins climbed a ladder to an upper floor of a building on fire on Broadway, where he heard a woman's screams above him. He stood on the top rung of the ladder with no support other than pressing his body against the building and instructed her to ease her way out of the window and down to him. Grabbing her legs, he supported her weight above him, gradually taking her onto his shoulders, then making their way slowly down the ladder to safety. Captain Gickwell earned his award as a result of his heroic action at a fire in a tenement on Montgomery Street in Manhattan, where he single-handedly rescued two unconscious women and two children. The Bennett Medal was permanently renamed the Chief of Department Peter J. Gancy Jr. Medal by Fire Commissioner Daniel Nigro on September 8, 2020. It had come to light that Mr. Bennett was a vocal supporter of slavery and repeatedly used the forum of his newspaper to expound his racist views. It was felt that his legacy in this regard depleted the degree of honor and respect that should be afforded the recipients of the department's highest award of valor. Commissioner Nigro stated, quote, This change is not meant to erase history, and it does not discredit the actions, memory, or valor of the 152 members of our department who have been awarded this medal since its inception. Instead, this important change is meant to help us create a better present and future for our FDNY, one we can all be proud of." End quote. Often Medal Day, although not called that at the time, was an annual spectacle. It was opened with a parade by the department displaying over 100 pieces of apparatus to the admiring public. The parade route was long, terminating at the location of the medal presentations. That location varied over the years, ranging from Tompkins, Union, Washington, and Madison Squares, Riverside Park, even Bellevue Medical College, and of course, at City Hall. In the first decade of the 20th century, 
Fire Commissioner Rhinelander Waldo was opposed to the presentation of gold medals sponsored by citizens. He felt it was very limiting due to the limited number of medals that were endowed, while he knew that there were so many firefighters that exhibited acts of heroism that deserved recognition. Therefore, it was decided to establish the Department Medal. Every person receiving an endowed medal would also be awarded a Department Medal. Perhaps the grandest event was held on the Department's 50th anniversary in 1915. It took place on June 12th at the Fireman's Monument in Riverside Park. The parade for that year drew out not only active companies, but the retired survivors of the old volunteer era also turned out. There are many photographs of the parade and ceremony that documented this important day in FDNY history. Since 2008, fire and EMS medal days were merged into one department event with one medal day book published to share the stories of valor. The Christopher J. Prescott Medal is the highest honor given each year to a member of EMS operations. Much like the Dr. Harry M. Archer Medal for firefighters, the paramedic Carlos Lilo, Lieutenant Ricardo Quinn Medal, is given once every three years to a recipient of a Prescott Medal. Only one time in FDNY history has Medal Day been canceled. In 2002, due to the continued recovery from the terrorist attacks on September 11, 2001, the department chose to forego the event. In October 2002, the department's annual memorial service was held at Madison Square Garden when a special set of five medals was presented to each family of the 343 members of the department that were killed in the terror attack. A set of these medals is on display in the 9-11 Memorial Room at the New York City Fire Museum. The 2020 Medal Day was postponed until 2021 because of the COVID-19 pandemic. The recipients of medals for acts in 2019 received their awards on April 14, 2021. The 2021 Medal Day was held two months later on June 2nd. Every day, members of the FDNY in both fire and EMS operations operate with honor and bravery. Those that are recognized with medals have gone above and beyond the call of duty. Hello, everyone. I'm Ted Grant, the president of the New York City Fire Museum Board of Trustees. On behalf of the board, we thank you for listening to the Throwback FTNY podcast. Since 1870, our museum has sought to preserve, educate, and celebrate the heroic history of the men and women of the fire department in New York. In 1987, we found a permanent home in Lower Manhattan in the renovated 1904 Beaux Arts Firehouse that had served as the quarters of Engine 30. Inside, our impressive collection illustrates the evolution of the fire department from its origins through today. Our Fire Safety Learning Center is a hub for school children to learn about the importance of fire prevention. Our museum is also home to the first permanent memorial to the New York City Fire Department members lost on September 11, 2001. We hope that everyone who has come to visit the FDNY 343 Memorial since 2002 has been provided a place to reflect on the fire department's darkest day while coming face to face with our fallen heroes. Please stay up to date with us and learn more about our exhibitions, online catalog, and browse our museum shop online at nycfiremuseum.org. Again, thank you for listening. And now back to the episode. On June 15, 1904, the unthinkable happened. A fire claimed the lives of 1,021 innocent people that were out for a day of leisure and enjoyment. 
and it could have been prevented. This was the largest loss of civilian lives in New York City prior to the terrorist attacks of September 11, 2001. It was a beautiful Wednesday morning. Approximately 1,300 members of the St. Mark's German Evangelical Lutheran Church boarded the paddle wheel steamboat General Slocum at 8.20 in the morning. They were going to spend the day picnicking at Locust Grove, Long Island. This would be the 17th time they held this event, one that everyone was looking forward to. They boarded the vessel at the East 3rd Street Pier. As the vessel made its way up the river, people on board waved greetings to those on shore they passed along the way. The mood was filled with joy, but that was all about to change. Somewhere around 10 a.m., a fire broke out in the lamp room near the bow of the boat below deck near the gallery. The room was where oil for the lamps on board was stored, and lamps were cleaned, filled, and maintained. But for this trip, barrels containing drinking glasses and dinnerware were put there. The barrels were padded with hay to keep the fragile glassware from breaking. But those implements had already been unpacked, and the hay was strewn on the floor about the room. It was never determined exactly how the fire started, but start it did, with plenty of fuel to make it grow. The crew member that discovered the fire made the fatal mistake that continues to take lives in fires to this day. He did not close the door behind him when he left the room. A series of subsequent mistakes and missteps caused the fire to continue its spread. Most critical was the fact that the captain of the vessel made the decision to continue to steam on after passing through treacherous Hell Gate. The wind coming over the bow fed the flames rearward to the breast of the ship. As you can imagine, with so many people, including young families on board, panic ensued. With little room on the boat where refuge and safety might have been sought, many chose to leap into the water of the East River. The few that donned life jackets soon found that the vast majority of them were so old that not only did they not provide flotation, they actually took on water and pulled the victim down into a watery grave. The first arriving FDNY units were Engine 60 and Ladder 17 from their quarters at West 137th Street in the Bronx. It was initially assumed that the Slocum would pull into one of the piers along the shoreline where they could have attacked the flames. But as they watched the ship continue to proceed north, a call went in for fireboats to respond. The Zophar Mills, from its berth at East 99th Street in the Harlem River, and the Abram S. Hewitt, from its berth at North 8th Street on the Brooklyn shore of the East River, were dispatched. The mills said to have actually been following this locum, waiting for it to stop so they could start their pumps and put water on the fire. Instead, their mission became one of rescue and recovery. Over 150 survivors were snatched from the water by the fireboat mills. In the end, the Flaming Hulk was beached near the shore of North Brother Island. The fire was so extensive that the boat's upper decks collapsed. The grim task began of retrieving victims and transporting them to shore for their eventual final journey. The community on the Lower East Side of Manhattan that was home to the St. Mark's Church was known as Little Germany. So devastated was it by this disaster that many of the congregants moved away. The church itself was never the same. The magnitude and the cost of human lives puts the General Slocum fire into the history books, including those of the FDNY. It is important to note that the Slocum passed within feet of Randall's Island, the location of the present FDNY Academy. In fact, it was where many of the souls came to rest in eternal slumber. The New York City Fire Museum has several artifacts from the fireboat Zofar Mills that played such an important role in the infamous fire, including the alarm bell that would have notified them for this fire. The 
The New York City Fire Museum store can be found online at fdnymuseumshop.org. Exclusive merchandise includes our classic, superior quality NYC Fire Museum t-shirt featuring our treasured Brooklyn Engine Company 8 steam pumper and other museum artifacts. The back includes a firefighter scramble that was the museum's original logo. This one-of-a-kind shirt comes in adult sizes from small to double XL. Proceeds help support our preservation and educational programs. To browse additional apparel and products that celebrate the history of the fire department in New York City, go to fdnymuseumshop.org. That's fdnymuseumshop.org. Now more than ever, the New York City Fire Museum needs your support to pursue our mission to preserve, educate, and celebrate. Now back to the episode. Augustus Speakman, known as Gus, didn't have an easy start in life. Born in Harlem, his parents separated. At the age of five, his single mother placed him and his sister in the care of the New York Foundling Home, then in foster care, and finally moving him to Little Flower Children's Services in Waiting River, Long Island. He spent his youth there, but returned home to his mother in the Bronx so he could attend Morris High School. While there, he was a member of the track team and became an outstanding runner. Upon graduation, he enlisted in the U.S. Army and served as a sergeant in Europe throughout World War II. Commissioner Beekman began his career as a firefighter on January 1, 1947, in Engine Company 58, at the time the busiest company in the FDNY. He was promoted to lieutenant in 1954, to captain in 1957, and went to gold as battalion chief in 1963, then becoming a deputy chief three years later. He took over the Community Relations Bureau as Deputy Assistant Chief. And in another three years' time, he was promoted to Assistant Chief, the first black firefighter to hold that rank, becoming Chief in charge of the Division of Fire Control before moving over to the Division of Training. Assistant Chief Beekman was selected by Mayor Edward Koch to be Fire Commissioner on January 1, 1978. No stranger to the most difficult period in department history, known commonly as the War Years, he oversaw major changes to combat ongoing arson and false alarms. He worked to reopen previously shuttered fire companies like his own alma mater of Engine 294 in Richmond Hill. During his tenure, a controversial program of limiting response to voice-activated alarm boxes when nobody responded to the dispatcher's call for information was instituted. This one move lowered the strain on and risk to firefighters while conserving valuable resources. It was also during this time that the department was struggling with the historic move of appointing women to the ranks of firefighters. Although females were allowed to take the exam the year before Beekman was made commissioner, it was during his first year that all the female candidates failed the physical qualifying exam. He had to courageously and diplomatically sort through the challenges, which resulted in a lawsuit brought by the women after his retirement. As we all know, the resolution was finally realized in 1982, with the first female firefighters being appointed. The mayor and the commissioner were at odds in 1980, so after serving the people of the city of New York for 33 years, Gus Beekman decided to retire. Upon his retirement, Mr. Beekman moved to Toms River, New Jersey, where he spent the rest of his life. But we can't limit our discussion of an outstanding individual like Commissioner Beekman to simply his career with the FDNY. He was an amazing person who overcame odds, broke stereotypes, and succeeded in just about everything he did. While he was in the field as an active firefighter at various ranks, he graduated Phi Beta Kappa from City College of the City University of New York, 
with a bachelor's degree in history, and he received a master's degree in political science from Queens College. Later, in recognition of his outstanding contributions, he was awarded an honorary doctoral degree from St. John's University. Augustus Beekman was also secretary of the Catholic Child Care Society of Brooklyn and chaired Little Flower's Save a Life adoptive campaign for black children. Fifty years after leaving Little Flower, he was elected president of its board of directors. But his commitment ran deeper than that. He and his wife Muriel were adoptive parents themselves. Although a name from a generation ago, Augustus Speakman exemplified a life of service to his fellow citizens and most of all the children. It behooves us all to keep him in mind and to look up to him for the example he set. And now it's time for our Throwback FDY trivia segment. In each new episode of our podcast, we like to test your knowledge of the department by asking a question about a fact from our previous show. Here's this month's. Dr. Harry Mortimer Archer was an FDY enthusiast who became an honorary battalion chief and medical officer in 1907. His service to the department was notable for establishing pre-hospital care for both uniformed members and civilians. An FDY ambulance, known to all as Dr. Archer's bus. In 1947, to commemorate his legacy, a medal was endowed in his name to honor the quote, bravest of the brave. So how often is this medal given? The answer can be found in our previous episode. The Throwback FDNY podcast is brought to you with help from the FDNY and the FDNY Foundation, the official nonprofit organization of the department. I'm Gary Urbanowitz. I'll leave you with this important safety tip. If you leave a building during a fire, close all the doors as you exit. This will help contain the fire. If doors are left open, the flames and smoke can travel more quickly. We can all do our part to be a partner to the fire department by promoting fire safety. Thank you and be safe.